Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good Monday morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I have Eric on the phone. Eric called in on Monday morning because it's about 65 degrees outside right now. We want to talk about planting corn or the possibility of planting corn. If not now, then in the next several days to a couple of weeks. Is that a diplomatic way to say that, guys? Absolutely. That'd be fine. <laughs> I would think so. So, Eric, I saw Donnie Miller at a meeting last week, and Donnie's at St. Joe, Louisiana, and he said that when he was on his way to that meeting that he actually saw a planter running down there and maybe had even talked to another guy uh, that had started, and that would have been like – February 21st, I think, is the day that I saw Donnie's. But it has been warm for several days now. So that's what we're going to talk about. And then just really all things corn planting, too. Eric had hit us up, I guess, at the consultants meeting. Eric is when you and I talked first week of February. And we talked about doing a, a corn planting podcast. And then Eric had to move offices and didn't get a chance to come over. Uh, how'd that go, Eric? Did you get all that stuff moved? Yeah, it's it's moved anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. That's the best thing I can say about that. Just add 18 months to whatever the expectation is for you to move back into that building, and that might put you within the close proximity of when that actual date will be. It'd probably be at least that anyway. I think the number that we're hearing is about two years, but hopefully have a have a fresh building to move back into. Just glad I did not get asked or enlisted or hired to move Dr. Bird's office. <laughs> for, for those of you listening that have never seen John Bird's office, I really can't even describe it. I, I can say that he can find anything in there, which is amazing. But it, there is a lot of stuff, or was a lot of stuff in Bird's office. So, Eric, before we get into corn planting, I had a flat Friday night. Changed a flat on the side of the road, which no big deal. It was good divided four-lane road, good shoulder. So we're in my wife's car. Put the donut spare on. The donut spare is flat. Luckily, had a little portable air pump. Air up the donut spare, no problem. Several things obviously could have gone wrong in that little operation. So what's the kookiest place you've ever had to change a flat tire? Oh, man. I haven't had a lot of really bad ones anyway but we had one out at the hunt club a couple of years ago it was in the fall when we were planting plots and uh anyway i was pulling a fertilizer buggy with pickup and realized that the truck tire was not going to make it back to anywhere so luckily we were able to get to some high ground and get it up on a road on a shoulder get it uh off anyway I had to run it run it to a a place to get the tire fixed anyway, which set us back a couple hours, but that was that was the most eventful one that I've had. Just because I know he listens to this, throw my daddy under the bus. One of his famous last words, no, I think that tire's okay. <laughs> 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 and, I, and I have changed a couple tires like that with daddy's parting shot. But yeah, I, you're going to make it. it it's, it's good. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's a kiss of death when somebody says that. I changed one in a driving rainstorm one time on the way to MAIC one summer. That was fun. I was I was yeah. actually in a parking lot though. It just happened. I don't remember what little town in South Mississippi I was going through, but 
it blew right in a good spot that I was able to at least do it not on the side of the road, but it was hammering rain. All right, Eric. I, I think first question we probably should refresh ourselves with is soil temperature required for planting corn. 50 degrees is the magic temperature for corn. If, if soil temperatures are below 50 degrees, then basically no growth will occur. So that's the absolute minimum. Anything above 50 degrees, then germination and growth will proceed. And the warmer it is, the more favorable it is, and the quicker the emergence rate will be, which generally increases your chances for success. So the absolute minimum is 50 degrees. You would prefer that soil temperatures were up at 55 degrees or warmer. Typically, when we plant a lot of our corn, it's, it's Soil temperature is not a limiting factor. It's going to be up around 60 degrees, and corn seed should emerge within six or seven days. If the soil temperature is hovering around that 50-degree range, um, that's going to lengthen the amount of time for emergence to take place, and six or seven days may turn into 10 to 14 or even longer than that, considering the temperatures that are subsequent to whenever the corn seed is put in the ground. I should add that we had recorded a podcast with Mark Silver related to the weather stations that we conduct through Mississippi State at variety testing locations and additional locations. And one of the additional things that Mark has added to the Mississippi Crop Situation blog would be soil temperatures. And I think he started posting those about a week ago. I know there's at least one posting on it because I saw it the other day. But those data and information are available on the Mississippi Crop Situation blog and would be, I think he'd talked about how that tracks throughout the state if you break the state into like thirds or regions within the state and what the soil temperature looks like for the uh, long-range forecast. Yeah, and if you're interested in the Delta Agriculture Weather Center, we got that episode. We were, we were going to release it this week, and then we rescheduled it for next week in the interest of talking to Eric about corn this week. So it'll be the first episode for March. Right. Eric, what is our traditional date for hitting that magic soil temperature? So just say 55. What usually is the determining factor on, on corn planting opportunities is soil moisture, not temperature. So soil temperature gets overlooked a lot. Um, when we have dry winters and dry springs like we've, we've been getting recently, or ob- obviously the whole winter has been a lot drier than normal. January, we had plentiful moisture. And right now, you know, in late February, we've missed some rains and things are drying out and certainly got everybody on go anyway in terms of potential for, for planting a corn crop. But it just depends. There's there's time periods where we planted corn in April that it's taken longer to come up because of cool soil temperatures than it has in March. And sometimes we planted corn the, the first 10 days of March and got it up within six days and, and got it off to a quick run and start. But historically, the temperatures and the growing degree day accumulation during March are relatively slight. So from a, an advantage standpoint, as far as getting the crop off to an earlier start, you're not going to see a whole lot of difference historically between plantings that are March the 1st and, say, March even the 15th or the 20th just because the heat unit accumulation during particularly early March is, is extremely modest. In fact, I think the 30-day historical records for Stoneville, Mississippi are going to show 
no historical growing degree days that are suitable for growing corn until March the 8th. That's one of the things that we use to justify normal planting dates, whatever that's worth. But the bottom line is that that for farmers that are progressive and take advantage of this opportunity is you need to measure soil temperature. And that can be a fairly complex question, too, because you know, we can obviously look at weather forecasts and look at that data that Mark has available to look at either current soil temperatures. We can use weather forecasts to look at what the future temperatures are going to look like for the remainder of the week. And the main thing I look at is the, is the night time or the low, daily low temperatures in, in the long-term forecast. If you've got temperatures like I'm looking right now at the 10-day forecast and temperatures of Wednesday being 39 degrees in Greenville and then 43 and then 52 on Friday um, with high temperatures in the afternoon, you know, not exceeding 60 degrees very far. Obviously, you're not going to rack up enough growing degree days those days to stimulate much growth on those young corn seedlings. So that that's the concern or some of the things that you would look at in terms of actually analyzing the situation to a, a relatively high degree to, to see what kind of opportunities that you might have in the near future. Measuring soil temperature in the morning is probably ideal. Um, just be aware that the nighttime temperature, the soil temperature first thing in the morning is going to be relatively close to the night temperature. So if you don't have a thermometer, then that will provide a fairly good estimate of what the actual soil temperature is first thing in the morning. But you can have as much as a 40-degree difference in soil temperature during the day depending upon both the air temperatures and really it's the sunshine that dictates how much increase in soil temperature occurs during the day. So the, the time of day that you take your soil temperature is extremely important in terms of characterizing what what kind of average soil temperature that seedling has over a 24-hour period. So that's why we generally recommend measuring the soil temperature first thing in the morning or before the sun has has gotten up very far where you can see what the the temperature is going to be for probably well over 50% of that 24-hour time period. What factors beyond the weather, Eric, do you consider when kind of hedging on a early planting like we're talking about this morning? So we've got just say somewhat favorable weather conditions. What else do you look for in order to arrive at the decision of, okay, I'm going to go plant some corn seed? It just basically boils down to soil moisture and, and soil temperatures. There are some other complicating factors there had a conversation with a consultant this morning about bird damage. Um, and that's another complication associated with the likelihood of relatively slow germination and early growth that, that might occur during early March as opposed to later on during the year. There also may be a lot more birds overwintering in the Delta to potentially feed on those fresh corn seedings during the early part of March as opposed to later in March or certainly after the first April when things warm up much more and those those birds migrate back to the north. That's just another complication there. But the, the two main factors that dictate stand success are soil moisture and soil temperatures. And then culturally, we generally grow most of our corn on raised beds to help relieve that the effects, particularly from the soil moisture, the other one thing, I guess, that 
we've done some research in in the past few years is the effect of cover crops and, and complications associated with them, and particularly in terms of corn planting and successful emergence and really any complications associated with that. And the number one thing that we found was that termination timing of the cover crops played a huge role in the overall success of the corn system and, and basically how good of a stand you had and, and not really that you couldn't get a good stand if you're planting in the green cover crops, but the growth of those of the corn that was planted was stunted substantially if the cover crop wasn't killed well in advance of planting. And the, the magic number that the research showed was about four weeks prior to planting. What's the influence of that cover crop, whether green or already terminated, on your soil temperature? It makes a, a considerable difference there, and, and that's one thing that the literature or the thing that our research, I think, is going to show that the effect of those cover crops and, and particularly the green vegetation was basically retarding the soil temperature, keeping it cooler and keeping the corn from growing at the same rate that it would compared to if you had cover crops or or any vegetation for that matter that was killed well in advance of planting and was basically dead so that the solar radiation is absorbed into the soil, you get that daily warming effect that I mentioned earlier that that could be as much as a 40-degree difference between nighttime temperature in the 30s and afternoon soil temperatures that are well up above 70 degrees on a bright sunny day. What do you mean when you say well in advance? How many weeks are you talking about killing that cover crop, Eric? Generally four weeks in advance of planting. I'll add to that, Eric, ryegrass, basically the same concept, but the competition that we incur between corn and ryegrass, the yield loss associated with the ryegrass, we were able to lessen that the earlier before planting that we controlled the ryegrass. So 100% kills. This would strictly be plot work, so multiple applications, nothing practical. But when the corn planter went through the field, we were at a 100% control of the ryegrass. It was completely dead. Nothing ever came back. We got a yield difference between a plot that was controlled either zero or seven days before planting compared with one that was controlled 28 days or 35 days, meaning that there was still some competition with that ryegrass residue and and didn't measure the soil temperature and, and the things that we're talking about here. So I don't know what the cause of the yield loss from the competition was, but there was definitely differences in yield among those plots. And that would just fall right in line with what you're describing on the cover crops. Yeah, absolutely. And and if we think about what our traditional stale seedbed system is in the South, this isn't something novel as far as knowing when to burn down green vegetation in advance of planting. But the cover crops are something that we're growing to, you know, conserve the soil, provide some benefits and so forth. So, you know, obviously there's some benefits from that green vegetation and the vegetative development that occurs over the course of the winter and early spring. But if we do allow it to basically play out or continue growing too close to planting, there's certainly a lot of different complications that come into play that basically risk various complications and yield loss associated with the subsequent row crop that you're you're going to plant behind it. So there's a lot of different things that are going on there. You could have nitrogen immobilization from a cereal cover crop. Um, you could have reduction of soil temperatures that are 
affecting things. You could have various pest issues, whether it be insect pest or diseases, Tom, possibly, or and then weed complications. You know, you could have ryegrass mixed in with, with the cover crop there as well, that whatever herbicide that you're applying, there certainly may be complications there where you have escapes that are going to be extremely risky and, and detrimental to your your crop as well. You could also have cover crop that fails to die from whatever control measure you apply to it. It seems like that has become pretty routine. It's usually not wide scale, but we'll have a portion of it that just for whatever reason doesn't die, whether that's one species in a blend or a portion of the acres where the majority of it, we controlled all the species in the blend, but then on a portion of the smaller portion of the acres, some of it doesn't die. And that can be incredibly frustrating because there's really no explanation for it oftentimes. And usually the subsequent treatment does not work as you would expect it to. Just something about when a plant survives a herbicide, it's generally harder to control with the second application. And that's whether that's cover crop, weed, volunteer crop, doesn't matter. If you if it lives one time, it's that much harder to kill the second time. Yeah, and I was just going to add the whole the seedling disease situation, so long as you're managing or removing that cover crop with plenty of time before you plant the corn, that's going to benefit your soil temperature. Because when you talked about retarding the soil temperature or the the temperature that would increase over time naturally, anything where you keep that temperature low can be a huge problem for any of those seedling disease issues. I had a couple other things, I guess, you know, regarding the, the question that y'all presented earlier on about complications or, or other cultural factors. And I'll add, I guess, that, you know, when we do get opportunities to plant early like this, conditions are likely to be more marginal. So some of the cultural things that we take for granted, like the size of the raised beds or presence of raised beds, some fields may not even have raised beds on them. That and soil texture may come into play as far as the likely success of planting a corn stand during these abnormally early conditions. And obviously a tall bed and soils that have good internal drainage are going to encourage the likelihood of of achieving a, a good stand. And invariably, it seems like I get a lot of questions every year. You know, when we do have good conditions like this, that folks take advantage of running out and planting, you know, some heavy clay soils or, or soils that don't have very tall beds. And th- those are the types of things that you might consider in picking the fields that you plant. Obviously, you would like to try to plant those fields when you have an opportunity, but I'd much prefer to plant a field that has heavy clay soil or, or very modest or no bed height during conditions which are more conducive to rapid emergence and likely stand success, which would usually be a later planting date. Like you said, with the growing degree days, the heat unit accumulation in March is going to be low, almost guaranteed. So that crop not going to grow off as fast as it would if it was a lot warmer. So there's a whole lot of time that it basically it's got to survive and the conditions could go really bad in the next six weeks or so, really. Yeah. Throughout the entire corn planting season, you've got to figure that regardless of the day that you plant, you're going to get a saturating rainfall event before that corn seed comes up. And that is a substantial risk that we deal with that 
other areas of the country don't appreciate, you might say, and, and we may not, may not even appreciate it, I guess, but the main source of issues in most of the corn stands is usually that wet saturating rainfall event that occurs before the corn seed emerges, and that's the time period when it's most vulnerable to wet conditions. So, again, the taller the bed is and the better your internal drainage is on your soil type, the more likelihood that seedling is going to be able to survive and, and produce a vigorous plant that is, that is going to be productive and you're going to get out of it what you intended to. Speaking of emergence, talk about the uniformity of emergence and the importance of that. Corn is, is much more sensitive to stand uniformity, not just from a geometrical standpoint, but each of the neighboring plants needs to be the same size in order for the plant to realize its full capabilities. Corn is a plant that is only going to produce one stalk. It's going to produce a certain number of leaves and normally one year per plant. And if a corn plant comes up or lags behind its neighbor, it's going to remain a runt or a less productive plant during the in entire course of the season and it doesn't have the physiological capability in other words to compensate for variances in growth or space like most all of our other row crops do that that produce multiple fruit multiple branches or uh, multiple stems that help them compensate for for variances in in uniformity for lack of better words so that's that's the reasoning why you always hear a lot of emphasis on corn stand not only emergent success, but the uniformity and the quality of the stand and why it's much more vulnerable to that than what most of our other row crops are. And it gets back to the fact that, that there's two things that we have to deal with that affect that, and that's, that's the temperatures affect the growth rate of the seedlings. And then our wet climate is going to provide enough soil saturation that it's going to be, cause anaerobic conditions to po- possibly stun our seedlings during the springtime as well. And, and the quicker the growth rate is during this time period, the more likelihood you are of achieving success in terms of the quality of your stand. One last question, Eric. Is there a benefit to jumping out as early as possible and planting corn, or should you wait until more things line up for it to be a perfect environment? That's the $64,000 question for sure. I can tell you that there's not going to be much physiological advantage, particularly for irrigated corn, from planting what I call exceptionally early. And it relates, again, to the heat unit accumulation during the month of March being relatively modest. As you get towards the tail end of the planting season, your heat unit accumulation picks up rapidly, so you expect to see more significant advantage for early planting as you get further into the season because the clock is running a lot quicker at that time period because of the higher temperatures and higher heat unit accumulation. So you're not going to gain a whole lot of advantage in terms of advancing your maturity date of your corn by planting it during the first 15 days of of March as what you would have as that same effect would be from planting, say, at the optimum time period, the last 10 days of March or the first 10 days of April compared to 20 days after that time period. So corn typically planted the first 10 days of March 
the difference in tassel date between that and something planted at the optimum time period, the last 10 days of March, is going to be relatively small, depending upon the particular growing season, because we typically don't have a whole lot of heat, heat unit accumulation occurring the first three weeks or so of March. But after that, it, it starts to pick up substantially as those temperatures start to warm, and particularly those nighttime temperatures stabilize you know, well above 50 degrees. Eric, thanks for your time this morning. I think that's important information as we begin this early season at this point. Well, thank you. If there's anything I can ever do to help, be sure and call or contact any of us. Thanks, buddy. See you, Eric. Thank you. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.